recorded live from Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles in West Bend, Wisconsin. You're listening to Under the Cowl. Episode 44. This is Zero. Eventually, we're going to have to change that intro a little bit. Uh, we're no longer recorded live at Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles as it was. But an all-new, all-different, more like the original, though, um, Crimson Cowl Comics and Collectibles uh, in our new secret underground lair. We are currently making that transition. I I mean, we're we're in the old basement. We are no longer selling to the public like we were. It's not, not open to the public. It is now more or less an exclusive club. Invitation only. Come on in, hang out, do the Crimson Cowl Comic Club. Crimson Cowl Comic Club podcast is our other podcast. So we're still doing that with the club, which hasn't really grown, but more people come to it at, at once now just because the only time that they can do it is on a Saturday afternoon. And uh, so we're, we're kind of getting uh, everything set up, though. It's set up enough that people can get down here. Yeah, but we still haven't gotten all the, the bugs worked out of things. So, rather than submit you to some weird episode of Under the Cowl where we don't know yet what's going on, uh, I'm going to submit you to an episode of another podcast, which uh, it was one that I did years ago. This is uh, like 2007. I believe one of the earliest podcasts that I did was called the zero show. It was uh, a podcast of my own where basically I just got on and talked about whatever. So not completely unlike under the cowl, but under the cowl focus is more on the, the nerd aspects of my life and those of uh, the, the people in the store and the club Whereas the Zero Show was just, you know, whatever I was in the mood to talk about at the time. And sometimes I wasn't even sure what to talk about. That was kind of the case in this episode where I actually, um, and people who are familiar with me and my family might enjoy this, but I actually have, for the first time on the Zero Show, my wife, Tammy, is is involved in it. So... Rather than do the first episode of the Zero Show to, to show you what that was like, I picked the second one that Tammy actually joined me for. Uh, I was still getting the hang of it and trying to work out like what I was trying to do for that podcast. But the first podcast itself just talks about the many ideas of doing the show. So the second one is the first where I kind of do the show. I've decided that uh, in the interim... Between episodes that we're able to record of Under the Cowl the normal way, I'm kind of 
slipping in an old episode of The Zero Show for people to check out and, and kind of laugh at because podcasting was new. I was still pretty new to podcasting. The only other podcast that I had done at that point was In the Can with David and Johnny, which was a filmmaking podcast I did with a friend of mine, which actually was, was really good. But Johnny, who was my co-host on that one, it really had a lot to do with that. I didn't know as much about podcasting, but I found it was interesting, and I decided to do The Zero Show as sort of a, an outlet for myself. So anyways, I do want to apologize because I, I kind of listened through a little bit of this and I realized that at the time that we did this, we were a little angry. So we uh, we say a few things. We talk about hating people's kids and you know how kids are annoying and stuff like that. Uh, and we get into some of the things in our lives that were going on at the time. Um, our daughter, who's 13 now, was just over a year old at this time and for those who don't know she was born with hydrocephalus and we'll talk a little bit about that in that show uh, we also talk about homeschooling our decision to homeschool which started out with our oldest and at that time he was probably about five years old well uh, about six at this time and uh, we don't really explain the exact circumstances behind it but I wanted to, without going into that and saying what it is, because we still don't like to talk about that in public, but uh, it kind of explains sort of our, our anger at the time at other kids and, and the school system and things like that. We'll just leave it as something happened in school to our kid at the time, and it was involving another student, and it was handled very badly by the teachers and the principal and the school district itself at that time. Um, and I think all of those people are no longer involved in the school or the school district. In fact, we have different thoughts on the school district. Uh, our youngest, who is, you know, again, is 13. She's in the, uh, she goes to public school. She's in the district. We haven't really had uh, those kind of problems there. Um, it's actually been really good for her. So things have changed, and you know this going back, you know now it's 2020, and this goes back to 2007. So just just a lot has changed, and keep that in mind when you listen to this, and know that there were reasons that we had for having this kind of anger at that time. But we we talk a lot about uh, you know our our kids and um, our our family at that time. So. I'm kind of putting this out there because I know a lot of the people who are listening right now, uh, you might not care as much if you're a new listener, um, although you may or may not find that interesting, but I think a lot of the people that know us, people who are members of the club who also listen to this, you'll find it interesting because you know the people that we're talking about. Uh, you know my wife, although you haven't talked to her, and listening to her on a podcast is definitely going to be a new experience for you. And also, it gives a little bit of insight to what our kids were like. You know, we talk about, uh, you know, my oldest, David, who is involved in the club. He's worked for the store. He's part of our D&D group. Uh, he's been on the uh, club podcast. Um, everybody that are regulars here know David. They know Ethan. They know Katie. Um, we don't talk a whole lot. I mean, we, we go into Ethan a little bit, and people will be shocked when they hear the way that we talk about Ethan knowing how Ethan is now. Uh, but we 
focused a lot on Katie with the hydrocephalus and David with the, the school and why we uh, pulled him out and homeschooled him. So it's, uh, but, but it was also very fitting for Under the Cowl because at that time we didn't have all the ratings for podcasts, but it probably would have fallen under the explicit rating and some of the, some of the talk and everything now. Uh, it, it kind of, if, it, if we talked about comics and movies and stuff in this podcast, it would fit in. This is like Under the Cowl, where we don't talk about any of that stuff. So, take a listen. I uh, hope you enjoy. The Zero Show, Episode 2, August 7th, 2007. Mrs. Zero. This is The Zero Show. And here's the biggest zero, David Gloyd. Hello and welcome to The Zero Show. I've got a very special guest with me. This is someone who does a lot of different jobs, wears a lot of different hats. She's a teacher. She is a cleaning lady. She's uh, thanks. <laughs> she she really likes to wipe asses. Thanks again. <laughs> and uh, I'm really amazed that she's doing this with me because she's always been so against it. <laughs> well, it's my wife, Tammy. Hi, Tammy. Hi. Of course, it feels so weird to call you Tammy because normally I call you Mama. Call me Mama. And it's not really a weird sexual thing. It's just, uh, you know, because we have children. (sighs) How's your beer? (laughs) Great. I don't know if I can do this. Are you totally weirded out by the microphone in front of you? Yes, because who would want to listen to us talk? Really? Probably nobody. Right. Well, the show is named after the amount of listeners, the Zero Show. So just, you know, keep in mind that nobody's listening to us anyways. Okay. Happy Father's Day. This is your present. Huh. Because I'll probably never do this again. Oh. I think you'll be doing this uh, very often. I'll force you to. Yeah, right. So you got a big day planned tomorrow? Sort of. (laughs) I love those one word answers <laughs> that you, <laughs> you gotta, gotta loosen up you want me to massage you no <laughs> relax you no make love to you <laughs> <laughs> well what am I supposed to say <laughs> this is horrible <laughs> it's funny I think it's funny how was your father's day it, it was good. I actually, I didn't want to date it by bringing up Father's Day, though. Why? Because it's not like I'm putting this on right away. But nobody listens to it. That's true. Well, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
anyways, uh, tomorrow you're taking Katie to uh, Children's Hospital, and they're going to, like, poke at her and prod at her and do all kinds of weird, funny experiments with her? No. They're going to watch her play with toys. They're going to watch her play with toys? Yeah. They're doing some kind of uh, study on children with... She put it as brain trauma. Yeah. I didn't think hydrocephalus counted as brain trauma, but... Apparently it does. Well, I guess it would depend on the type of hydrocephalus, because some hydrocephalus is caused by brain trauma, but hers really isn't. Yeah. Hers was uh, congenital. Mm-hmm. Because, unlike some people, she was born with her. Uh. Oh, that was nice. <laughs> Very ladylike. You said I could burp, so I'm going to. Mm. You can fart, too. Well, ladies don't fart. Uh-huh. But we know differently, right? No. <laughs> Come on, let one out. I don't fart. We keep burping and farting and talking like, uh, you know, talking about having sex and stuff. And we'll be somebody else's podcast. We don't want to go there. Well, maybe you should come up with a topic since you're the host of the show. Well, I thought we could talk a little bit about uh, what it's like having a baby with hydrocephalus. Okay. Because I know it's a very important topic to us. But uh, I don't. I don't think that I'm the best at talking about it by myself because I tend to forget a lot of terms and <clears throat> things like that. And I'm sure people will take this very seriously with all the burping. And I thought you were going to edit that out. Oh no, no, the burping stays. Oh, <laughs> are you going to stop burping now? No, but, I can't. Uh, this beer makes me burp. So, what was it like for you finding out? Well. Actually, why don't we start off by talking about how we found out that Katie had hydrocephalus. Okay, go ahead. Well, <laughs> see, this is where I am bad because I forget okay. details like how many... I was pregnant? at my 32-week doctor's appointment, I think, and um, as usual that morning I was bitching to my mom that these appointments were pointless and I hate going and why am I going? They don't do anything anyways, and it turns out that's the day that... They found it because she was feeling my stomach and she felt like maybe Katie was breech. And she brought in the ultrasound machine and she saw right away that there was something wrong. And it's really weird talking to you with you staring intently into my eyes the whole time. <laughs> okay. I'm, go- I'm not even going to look at you while we talk then. I'm going to... Fine. <laughs> but, um, well, even... I mean, she didn't say I mean, it was did, hydrocephalus. Did, did she make it like really obvious right away? Because I'm sure she didn't just, well, she wasn't like, oh my God. She looked at it and ran over to my chart and read some notes and realized this wasn't something that was found before. I guess she has a really horrible memory. I don't know. But I think she mentioned the term hydrocephalus, but I don't think she diagnosed it then. Did you have any idea what hydrocephalus was? Yeah. Because I didn't. I have, cause, just because I, I mean, erotically watch all those stupid baby shows well, all the time. Like, I mean, I've heard the term water on the brain. I've had no idea what that really was or anything. I thought it was something like from Operation, you know, the game Operation. Like it was made up? Yeah, like oh. like water on the brain. Like, I don't know, maybe that's something that they said about stupid people or something. I, I, I have no idea what it was. I didn't know a lot about it, but I knew what it was. And as soon as I saw the ultrasound, I thought hydrocephalus immediately. And that was definitely the worst day of my life for sure. Sucked. So between then and when you called me 
what all else happened in there? Um, really nothing. She just said she was trying to get a hold of the perinatologist for us to go see so they could actually diagnose it. And I was just waiting. And I didn't want to call you because I knew I was going to break down as soon as I did. I wanted my mom to call you. I didn't want to talk to you. Uh, I think it would have been even worse if your mom would have called. Cause, well, first of all, it, you know, something really obviously would have been wrong if your mom was calling me. And secondly, it would have been bad because, I mean, let's face it, your mom's not the, she's not subtle. No. Really. So, but yeah, and God, it was, it was terrible for me because you called me and then I was like, oh my God, like right away I could tell something was wrong. I could, you sounded like you'd been crying and everything. And, um, I instantly felt like I felt, um, well, when we found out about, uh, the miscarriage. Yeah. Which I suppose tells, doesn't really tell much, um, to people who haven't experienced that, but it was just like when you get just terrible news, like you're told somebody died or, or, or whatever. Like I heard this and I was stuck at work. And so first, you know, being a man, I couldn't just, you know, you gotta like not cry. And I had to go talk to my boss and like, I couldn't talk. I couldn't give too much information, but I let him know, you know, obviously something was serious. And I think it was something along the lines of Tammy just called, she's at the doctor and they said that there's something wrong with the baby's brain. So then it was like, you know, I clocked out, went outside to wait for you to come pick me up. And I just stood out there waiting and it seemed like forever until you guys got there. I like keep looking at my watch and I was estimating how much time it would take you to get there. And then that time came and went and I'm like, you know, <laughs> because I, I think, um, you guys were actually supposed to talk to the doctor or, or, or somebody before you left. Well, so I think, I, th I think you got off the phone with me and went back in there real quick or, or something. I think she assumed that we would just be going to community, community memorial right across the street pretty soon. But no, we were going down to children's, well, freighter, which are together. Who, so, who actually made that decision? Dr. Croner, I guess. I th well, the, the we doctors were work, the I think, work at Community Memorial and work at Freighter. So I think it was depending on where they were that day. So, I mean, it was it was the start of a long day of waiting, it seemed like. And crying. It seemed like that whole day was about waiting to find something out. And then when, you, when we did find something out, it just you know, made us worry more. Yeah. It was like everything we were told that day was like terrible. And it was, it got worse and worse and worse. And nobody ever said, don't worry, it's going to be okay. You know, everything's going to be okay. Just calm down. It was like, um, was things very, are really bad. It was very <laughs> serious. I mean, I, at, judging by that day and the news we got, and even the news we got in the coming weeks after that, I never would have thought, she would be what she is now, which is pretty much perfectly healthy. We just have to worry about her all the time. Yeah, and that sucks too. It's like, it's like more waiting. It's, yeah. It really is because it's not, is something going to happen? It's when is something going to happen? Because we know at some point in her life she's going to have a shunt malfunction or, or something. You know, she's going to go back there. And 
And of course, the symptoms that we have to watch for are so vague. You know, it's like anything could cause these symptoms. Right. So anytime she gets these, you know, she gets a fever or she's crabbier than usual or whatever. It could be the start of something, but we can't react to it until it's extreme, until she's getting brain damage, really. Yeah, which we just recently learned. We thought, because for a while it was like, okay, this could be it, let's call. And then very recently we actually had to take her in because she had had a fever for like three days. She was crabby. She wasn't, she just wasn't herself and we couldn't put it together with anything else. We thought, well, maybe it's because she's teething because, well, she's a baby and that's what babies do. You know, babies are always teething, it seems. But there was really nothing. There was no other symptoms. She didn't have a runny nose. She didn't have a cough. She wasn't throwing no one else up. Was sick. Yeah, she nobody had else had was have. sick and she, she hadn't been her own sick people. She's had a lot of fevers and we never reacted like this before because there's always something we could point to and say, oh, it's that. David's sick, Ethan's sick, we're sick. That's what it is. Yeah. This was the first time we couldn't do that. I, I think both of us, when stuff like that happens, it's like we want to hold off calling because we think that it's just us being paranoid. But at the same time, how can you not be paranoid? Because it's like if you don't care, you know, if you just blow the stuff off, you know, what happens when there is really something wrong and you didn't do anything about it in time? So I guess it's, it's always probably better to be extra protective. Well, it's like with all three of our kids, you know, we've decided it's better to be overprotective than underprotective. No, we are overprotective. We're crazy protective. Yeah, we're we're nutty. We're nutty. We're <laughs> insane. We're like kind of people who would be part of a crazy religion yeah, and, type of parents. And that's that's something that like people don't know about us. Like even you know people who are semi-close like like maybe our families suspect it suspect what that we're that crazy, we're crazy. <laughs> but like okay um well see there, there's there's really stuff there there's a reason that we're crazy and that we do these things there's a reason that we homeschool david and that we would probably homeschool ethan and Catherine. um because other people's kids are idiots that that's true and you know what when we were swimming today and that girl came over and she was talking to the kids and whatever. And she was just one of those kids that see, knows everything and yeah. whatever. And I realized that all these other kids that play with our kids, you know, we don't like any of them. And I thought, God, I don't like kids. I used to like kids, but now I don't like kids, and, well, and I don't know why that is. when you're a parent, is. you realize that your children are superior well, that's to true. others. And all parents believe that their children are superior, so other parents think the same things about our kids, but they're wrong. Because our kids really are superior. Right. They just don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's true. It is true. So, it's but, just too bad for everyone else. But, I mean, it's... I, I suppose going back to Katie and, and her hydrocephalus, though, it's, you know, th that first night when we first found out, it was just the beginning of a lifetime of waiting, you know, and uh, and hopefully 
she won't have a lot of problems. Because I know some kids, you know, are like, they go in, they get a shunt replacement, and sometimes that shunt doesn't work right and they go back in. Or sometimes, you know, it's a few years later, but it's still, you know, it ends up being a lot. I guess the, the shame about the hydrocephalus is that what gets me the most is that she's been doing so good. I mean, she's a perfectly normal baby. And just to think that that could just be taken away in a second. Yeah, I think we were really lucky because um, we were told to expect at the, I mean, they actually said at the very least expect developmental yeah, delays. At the least. And yeah. she is, I mean, she's right where she should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just over a year old and she's, you know, walking. now she's walking around, you know, she's trying to walk backwards. <laughs> I swear to God, she looked like she was swimming today. Like, was doing the arm stroke and kicking her legs and everything. I know. It was funny to watch. Like, she knew what to do, and she's always known what to do since she's been born. But, she is just... But she's smart, and, and we don't realize... We don't think that we've been teaching her some of these things that she's learned. But, um, well, like, you know... We have the kids say prayers before bedtime, and um, and she just um, we said you know say prayers, and all of a sudden she's on her knees with her hands folded. Yeah, she is really smart. You know, and she does stuff all the. <laughs> she she does stuff like that all the time. It just amazes us, and we're like, oh my god, you know, um, and it, it's just like every time she does something like that, you think, my my god, this is. A miracle that she can do this because I mean they said like we, we're expecting to have a kid who wasn't going to be able to walk until she was four or you know she wasn't going to learn to talk and sometimes we think god you know when is she really going to talk but I think the lack of talking that she does is more of her choice not to talk because she's she has talked she said things and then she kind of goes back she reverts and goes back to the non-talking but um but i seem to recall actually david and ethan doing that too like they'd say and i think it's been kind of the same like they'd say mama for a while and then they'd go back to doing what katie's doing where she's calling you dada instead of mama (laughs) yeah you're da and I'm Dada. Yeah, that, that's the difference. I'm Da and you're Dada. So you get an extra Da because you're special. I am special. But uh, but otherwise, I mean, she's she's right there with everything that she's supposed to be doing. Oh, yeah, definitely. So. She is, there's no way, and there's no way I ever thought she'd be so doing so good. I didn't think it was possible. But, of course, um, you know, if she has a shunt malfunction... And it's not taken care of right away. She can have brain damage. I mean, things can happen. Yeah, no matter what. I mean, I think Dr. Kaufman is, you know, from what we've heard, he's really one of the best surgeons in the country. But something could still go wrong during surgery. And that's not to say something will. I mean, there's a lot of kids with hydrocephalus that never have any problems. Her son could last her till she's an adult. Yeah. But we just don't know. But uh, and it'll be probably be better then because the older they are, 
the easier it is for them to know that there's a problem and to be able to explain to somebody that there's a problem. Obviously, Katie right now can't say, you know, uh, mom, dad, my shunt's fucking up. <laughs> and if she says that, um, well, we'll be so worried about the shunt that we won't even acknowledge that she said a naughty word. Or words at all. Yeah. <laughs> Besides da and da da. Yeah, I, I suppose that would be, that would really be something if she did say that, huh? Oh, are you talking to... Forgot <laughs> <laughs> it. But, uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, I thought you meant her saying that like tomorrow. Yeah, I, I was saying that. <laughs> oh, okay. So, obvi- you know, obviously she can't say that. Um, but like when she's six or, you know... <laughs> whatever older she's she's going to be old enough that she can she's going to know that there's something wrong and she's going to be able to tell us so so to summarize hydrocephalus totally sucks yeah and nobody knows about it it's totally there aren't celebrities that are out for the cause there aren't yeah and big, that sucks too it's like groups that are out for hydrocephalus you hear about strokes you hear about brain cancers you hear about all kinds of brain things and hydrocephalus is i mean it happens in you know one in every thousand births and that actually adds up to a lot of kids and no one really knows about it at all and it's not curable it's not right now it's just manageable well the my experience has been that if i talk to somebody and they know what it is it's because their cousin had it or some, and they're just fine. So yeah, somebody. <laughs> yeah, that that seems to be. The thing. And we're and, saying that with Katie, and, but and, unless you're talking about Dustin, and then it's like, oh yeah, and and their head was as big as a watermelon, a small watermelon, yeah, a small watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I'd edit that out, but uh, nobody's going to be listening to this anyways. <laughs> but. But yeah, it's it's bad because you think of uh, people with like leukemia and stuff like that, and obviously that's like horrible. And I don't know when you talk about hydrocephalus, I think people think that well, at least it's not something like leukemia, right? <laughs> but at the same it's time, it's just in it, their brain. But, but yeah, at it, least it's not their heart. Yeah, it, it but it has it but has the potential to be just as bad as as right. anything else. You know, so we're just we're really fortunate right now that that she's fine and she is um for all other intents and purposes uh a normal child. Oh yeah, she is. Um you know, we just have to hope that she is always fine and that when it does come time to replace the shunt or whatever that it's it's dealt with um before any kind of damage is caused now that we've talked about hydrocephalus you want to tackle homeschooling (laughs) should should we get into what freaks we are with our kids i don't know i don't know we're not there's like homeschoolers and people who do the um you know public school at home and homeschoolers pretty much think that we're idiots who use the public school system at home because they are like down with the public school system so I don't know what we are yeah we're not really like homeschoolers like 
you know, in the traditional homeschooling, we're against the system. Down with the down man. Down with the man. Down with the man. Type deal. We're more like um, public school people. We just don't want our kids to be around the other idiotic children that are there. But, you know, we believe in maybe the public school curriculum. Yeah, we just uh, we just know that we can do it better. <laughs> well, I can tell you from pulling David out no, a year will. like we did and having to throw together everything, it is not easy to make up your own curriculum. No, it's... It's really, really hard. It's hard. And you know what? Even if you do, um, like, a public school curriculum, there's, there's nothing that says that you can't, like, kind of uh, do a little ad-libbing there, you know? throwing your own touches and everything that's why you're doing it at home you're not doing it in a classroom environment or anything so it's still different you're just instead of choosing you know i want to teach this now i want to teach that you're letting somebody else do it for you which we don't even know how that's going to go where no this this is going to be our first time doing that and all this kindergarten stuff we uh we threw together it didn't go that smoothly but you know Obviously, he learned something. I mean, he's he's, he's reading. reading. He's not, you know, he's not a great reader. He's not a speed reader, or whatever. But he's, he's reading, which is to be in kindergarten. No, I mean, well, I don't know. Nowadays, kindergartners are aren't they supposed to be like programming computers and yeah, stuff? Yeah, I don't believe in all that shit either. I thought kids were supposed to play. When I was in kindergarten, you um, glued stuff together and played house. Yeah, I think we have. And it like, was a half a day. Blocks and stuff. And I uh, also recall uh, Mrs. Spiracino, my kindergarten teacher, pulling out the guitar and singing Puff the Magic Dragon. She was kind of a hippie, though. It's like nowadays, your kids, they do. If your kindergartner is not reading, then yeah. they're stupid. Like David was, I don't know what he was labeled as, but he was labeled as behind because he didn't know his letters when he started kindergarten. I thought that the first four years of his life were to have fun and play and not really care too much about letters. Yeah, well, I kind of thought that I thought you sent kinder- them to school. To, you know, school was, I mean, that's where they're supposed to I learn stuff, I thought kindergarten right? was for learning letters and numbers. Yeah. But, but they're supposed to know that before they ever yeah. go. But that leads to another thing that we're against is daycare. Yeah. We believe in taking care of our own children. Well, I kind of think that it started out, like our, our views on school kind of started out from, from daycare. I mean, um, David was the only one that we sent to any kind of daycare or anything. Because we were total idiots. Because, well, because by the time, I mean, before Ethan came along, we knew that daycare was evil. Very evil. 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 Daycare is Satan. And, you know, I know that some parents out there, like maybe single mothers, really don't have a choice. But if you have a choice, you should keep your kids at home. Well, when some of the, we don't even know what some of the weird stuff that was going on. Like, I mean, we don't need to, to name all of these daycare people that. Uh, now, now, mind you, this was like private daycare. This wasn't like um, daycare centers. But, well, we did that. I do have a friend. A friend that worked in a daycare, and she said, don't ever send your kid to a daycare. You know, and this is a big name daycare that everyone knows. Don't. I mean, she worked there for how long? And she said she'd never send her own kids there. Well, um, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I actually, well, I mean, I I did a very short 
stint as a summer job when I was a teenager, basically helping out with a daycare and um, the number of kids that they had versus the number of adults supervising. You know, I don't think that they were really being well cared for Which and they weren't exactly. getting a lot of the attention that they needed. And that was actually a great thing about me is because um, uh, there was this little boy, uh, Gregory, who was in his class and he was he was a, a bad kid like he wasn't bad like evil kid but he got into a lot of trouble and stuff and um we think that a lot of it really stemmed from lack of attention and everything and then i came along and i was working there helping out for the summer and i was able to give him one-on-one -on -one attention and i heard from the the teacher people there on what an improvement Gregory made. Um, his parents came in one day and thanked me personally because he had shown such a change and he would go home and he would just talk about how great David was at daycare. So, so that was really cool. So at one point in my so life, I did like kids. <laughs> so we're saying daycare is a good thing. No, no, I'm just <laughs> saying that, you know, if you get somebody in there that can give them, I'm saying one-on-one -on -one attention, you know, a kid needs yeah. some of that time. And that's something that like you talk about all the time that the Ethan doesn't get as much attention as you'd like to give him. And who's the one that acts up the most Ethan, but a lot of times Ethan doesn't want attention either. Or maybe he just acts like he doesn't want it because I can tell you when David was at Erica and Nikki's, Ethan loved the attention. He was like my buddy. Yeah. Well, sometimes he likes to be left alone and do his own thing, but, I mean, who's usually the first one that'll cuddle up with you? You know, want to be held and stuff, stuff like that, yeah. So, yeah, he's the, he's the one that likes to, he doesn't want to be a baby, but he likes to act like a baby for the attention that a baby gets. I still think that kid was born with a chip on his shoulder. He was, he's been, like, he's been like that since, <laughs> since he was in the womb, I think. But uh, He's going to be... A troublemaker is gonna take after me because I was a really big troublemaker for a long time you were always good that's where David yeah, gets it from that could be yeah I was I was an angel <laughs> no it's it's well it's funny but like I didn't get into a lot of trouble a lot of times when I did get into trouble it was actually because of my brother who had done something and I got blamed right alongside of him. Um, Which is what Ethan's going to do to David. And, and like I always stayed away from drugs. And, and well, I, I drank a little bit. But that's sort of how I was raised too. Because like my dad would give me a beer and whatever. Or well, I've told you about the, the late night uh, cough medicine stories. Your dad was crazy. <laughs> Which, well, for everybody else, I guess... Uh, my dad used to like wake us up one at a time. Um, he wouldn't wake up like a couple of us and do this. It would be like one of us. He'd go and wake us up and, oh, you're barking your head off in there. Come here. And, you know, he'd, he'd wake us up and take us in the kitchen. He'd pull out his bottle of whiskey and he'd uh, give us like a big spoonful of it. You know, I don't know. It was like it was like giving your kid a shot of whiskey. And uh, I joke now that, like, my dad needed a drinking partner or something that he'd 
you know, he didn't want to drink alone, so he'd wake us up to have a shot with him. <laughs> but he did it to the other kids in my family, too. He just didn't wake us all up at the same time and give us a round. Um, but it was like, yeah, we, I, I have memories of, like, stealing his beers. Like, when I was little, like, me and my sister would think it was funny. We'd go up behind him. and Which sister? Gina. And we'd, uh, we'd grab his beer off his... Uh, little table thing that was next to his chair and you know we'd sit there and drink it and next thing you know he'd be getting up and going to get another beer but you never told me that (laughs) but but there was also a lot of other times when um when he just like let us have some and i think well i mean we've let our kids like here try this have a little sip or whatever but like you know i can remember being like 10 and and stuff and um, going some somewhere with them, like over to his, his friend where he was always hanging there and they'd work in cars and stuff. And, you know, I'd be like, oh, I'm thirsty. And they'd let me, you know, send me into the, the tap, you know, because they had the little tapper set up in the garage and everything. And I'd just pour myself a beer. So I drank a little bit, but that was, a, that was about, you know, that was it. I didn't really get into any trouble or anything. And I was laughed because it wasn't until I joined the army that I even did anything else. <laughs> you know, it, it it took going into the military to screw me up to where I experimented with anything else. Not that I what kind of things? Oh, um, uh, you know, science projects and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Use your imagination, like you've never. Of course not. Of course not. What? Nothing. But uh, where were we going with that? I don't know. You oh, know, we talking, if we're ever we going to do this again, which I probably won't, you're going to have to come up with topics because we could go to 10 million different things. Because when I think of your dad, I think of Andy's candies, which then I think of ghosts. Oh, then we can talk ghosts, yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's say the Andy's candies thing real quick. And we haven't even finished talking about how we're crazy about daycare and stuff, but we got to tell the Andy's. Did we even say you know that what? Your we'll, we'll, we'll come back to the Andy's candies thing. Okay. Because we'll remember to do that. Um, but basically, okay, with, with daycare, um, we kind of, well, we had like three different places that we took David, and all three of them totally screwed up some, somehow. And I can't remember all the different, the little things that they did, but uh, I definitely remember the time that I went to pick him up from the one, and he's wearing, I mean, he looked like some little hillbilly in his overalls, no shirt, no shoes, no nothing. The only thing that was missing was a little piece of hay sticking out of his mouth. And, uh, you know, I go and I pick him up, and I'm looking at him like, why is he dressed like this or, or not dressed? And she's like, oh, and, and very, you know, kind of matter of factly, like there's no big deal really type of thing. Like, like it's really kind of funny, actually. Him and this other boy were playing in the bathroom and, you know, they were playing in the toilet. And it's like, you know, at the age that he was, it's like he could barely stand up. You know, He was only like 13 months old, maybe. Yeah, you know, it's 13, like they're really top months. heavy and, and stuff like that and easily could have just like toppled over headfirst into the toilet and she's like oh you know like it's no big deal and um we were 
kind of furious about it and I just didn't know what to say or anything and I just grabbed it and left and I told you and you were upset and we we're like well he's not going back there and because it's like well we're, we're paying somebody to watch our kids and well if you're paying somebody to watch your kid you kind of expect that they're going to watch your kid and that they're that your kid's going to be safe there not that they leave the bathroom open and let the kids play in there and stuff like that. And some people might think that we were overreacting by that, but it's like... Well, some people might think we were overreacting to pulling David out of kindergarten also. But yeah. So I, I don't know if we want to go into a lot of details about what happened there or not. But, I mean, basically it's like we had these three different places that we pulled him out of, decided, okay, we're never... I mean, it got worse than the toilet. I mean, we had one that was like leaving our kid with strange people because she had something All to do or whatever. And then I'd walk over and, um, you know, there's like wine glasses sitting around and with presumably wine in it and a bottle sitting there and stuff like that. And they were hanging out with total potheads. Yeah, we we, we recognized some people that were over there actually. It was kind of funny because we decided to stop taking David over there. And when I went over there for the last time, the people who were there were people that we know to be like the biggest drug dealers in the city of West Bend. <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I think it was a good choice. Of course, we could go into how do we know they're the biggest drug dealers in West Bend. Well, we know that because we live near them. Yes. We're not... We're not into drugs. We have children. It's because they were neighbors. And right. <laughs> so we uh, were very familiar with who they were and so on. You know, police being over there. And not that, you know, West Bend is such a huge city that people don't know what other people are doing and whatever. I mean, it's not like a little Mayberry town like Kewaskum or anything. But So, yeah, we stopped sending David to these places and... Uh, we're like, okay, from now on, we're taking care of our own kids, and we worked out our job schedule so that we would never need daycare anymore. We had two more kids, and then David was old enough to go to kindergarten. We sent him to kindergarten. <laughs> there was a very major incident that happened in kindergarten in his class under the watchful eye of uh Well, the, <laughs> of teacher, the teacher was so concerned with the children knowing their letters that they forget about their own personal well-being. And of course, and well, the, the children didn't feel that they could speak up because... Uh, they have to be quiet. They were told, shh, right. it's quiet time. So, you know, there was this incident that happened and nobody seemed to think it was that big of a deal. Except even, for us. Even though it was a huge, huge deal. Yeah. And um, so for the... I mean, it was weird, and we feel a certain amount of guilt because we didn't pull him out right away. We were worried about kind of messing him up, you know, and and, and stuff, you know, pulling him out right away and making him feel like he had done something wrong and whatever. But, um, you know, I guess we were so concerned about doing what was right for him that we didn't really act fast enough to do what was right for him. But we came to our senses and we pulled him out and... We came know. to our senses because the boy did the same thing to some other kid. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we're, we're really covering up what happened. 
<laughs> I'm, I'm sure nobody even suspects. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, and it's like, it wasn't long after that, that like there was that other thing on the news about some kindergartner being raped by some, some guy mm. down in Racine and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, oh my God, this stuff happens. Well, there's just so much about in, in public schools where it shouldn't. I mean, there was, you know, a kindergarten. I, when I was in kindergarten, I know that we didn't go to the bathroom by ourselves and stuff like that. We went in groups and well, they tried to get us to go at a certain time, but they had like this one little stall where I went, um, actually in the classroom, I think it was like in between two classrooms that wasn't, uh, really cons to be considered the bathroom, but it was like, you know, if the kid really had to go, you know, they could go in there. Um, and I realize a lot of schools don't have that, but I think at the very least, you know, a teacher or somebody would escort a kid to kinder or, you know, who's in kindergarten to the bathroom if they really had to go. But, it was just, there's, there's a lot wrong with school and you don't see it until your first one goes and some parents might not ever see it as wrong and some parents might see it as wrong but don't know what to do about it, but there was a lot that just was intolerable, like the huge class sizes. And, uh, well, yeah, huge class sizes. Some of the stuff that, that's taught in school, it's, I don't know, kind of, I, I don't agree with everything that that's taught in school. And that's the other thing that I like about, even if you use a public school curriculum to do homeschooling, I mean, you can, you, you can make your own changes and whatever. Like, for example, like, okay, if you're doing a public school curriculum and you're, you're really religious, you don't believe in, like, evolution, for example, because um, I know that there's a lot of people that won't send their kid to school because they teach evolution and they don't believe in evolution. Um, you could even use a public school curriculum, but you, you leave that part out, you know. You can get around that. You can throw in your own thing. You can uh, you can add to it. You can have a Bible class if that's what you want to do. <clears throat> you know, so I, I think just having a public school curriculum is just nice because uh, all the stress and everything of coming up with that yourself is kind of taken it's away. It's very hard. And I don't know if I say this enough to you, but I, I do. I give you a lot of credit for because I, I know that... It's hard for you to, I mean, because not only do you have to do the stuff, you have to come up with stuff, you have to do the stuff, whatever, but then you have to constantly worry, you know, about did you do it right and are you screwing up our kids because... Well, you know, as far as this year, I can't say that homeschooling went the best. You know, first of all, it was mid-year. There really was no planning. You know, my mom had that major car accident that really screwed everything up big time and um, everything. But he did learn some things. I know he did. And it was more important to get him out of that classroom. That was the most important thing. You know, an another reason that homeschooling is good for David in particular is um, because I, I think he's a lot like me and I did terrible in school. And I think if I would have had more of a one-on-one -on -one thing, um, you know, or at the very least been part of a, a smaller class where I was given more attention or whatever, maybe it would have 
done something different for me, you know. Um, well, I know his mind goes woo, way out there. Yeah, mine, mine does. Yours I'm a does space too. cadet. Yeah, and he is too. And I know there were many, many times when he'd bring projects home from school that weren't anywhere near finished, which the other kids, you know, I'm sure had finished. Yeah. These were things that were supposed to be done during school, and he never could that, get That's done. how I was. You know, I'd come home from school, and um, I would have, like, my, my little backpack, you know, would be full of papers that I hadn't done. Yeah, that's what he sounded like. And all through school... All through school, it was like that. My uh, uh, my backpack, my locker, whatever it was, and I don't know what it was. Well, you know, I I keep everything, anyways. I'm kind of yes. a Democrat, but 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 I I was like That's that in horrible. school, and I would have all of this work that I didn't do, and it was all all collected, and that kind of backfired one year because one year my parents were like, "Well, you know, what's this crap about you not doing your work?" and um, you have to do all your work. And I was grounded until I caught up all of my work. I had to do all of the work that I hadn't done that year. And it was so much that there was, I mean, there's like no way that I was going to get it done. But then uh, luckily that happened to be one of the years that uh, that my family had moved. So when we moved, it was like, okay, well, now you get a clean slate. Did you have to test back in? No. No? No. I started going to summer school later, like around middle school, middle school, junior high, depending on where you are, because uh, I don't even remember which grade it was, but my teacher towards the end of the year told my parents, and I think this kind of true of all of my grades till then, because I had, I had passed, I'd never been held back a year, um, even though I didn't do like any of my homework. And it was because I always did well on my tests. And so this one year, my teacher was like, well, I'm not sure if he knows the stuff or if he's just getting lucky on these tests. So she rec- so she's like, well, I think that you should either send him to summer school or hold him back a year just to make sure. So my parents sent me to summer school and I went to summer school um, basically all through middle school. I went and it, it seemed like actually a lot more than that that I went but I like once I started high school I didn't but I did bad in high school also I, I did so bad in high school actually that um, one time I got my name in the paper because um, I was like one of the most improved students in the Milwaukee public school system there was like only a handful of students. I don't remember how many, but I was one of them. So my name was in the paper and whatever for this. <laughs> and my grade point average was still really low. It was just, it was just not as low as it had been. So it's not like I was <laughs> doing anything wonderful. I just wasn't doing as bad as I had been doing. And then of course, uh, high school, I I sort of learned how you could skip school and get away with it and it works really good like um see i don't know what your experiences were with school if you really skipped a letter oh yeah but uh but my teachers you know and it must be just milwaukee public schools the way they do their attendance or whatever 
because they were just like all over the place. And even when I was in school, they would be off and they would send when they would send the stuff home to notify parents that, you know, the students had missed these days or whatever, you know, they would put the dates and times on there that they were absent. And I was gone from school. I had a doctor's appointment on one particular date. And the time that I missed, I was listed as being at school. So I was able to use that and say, you know, basically, this isn't right and I can prove it. You know, and I was like, you know, I was just at the doctor, you know, whatever day it was. And so I wasn't in school, but yet it says I'm in school here. You know, and, and whatever. So so their their record keeping wasn't accurate and I was able to prove that. So from then on, I uh, pretty much just was able to not be in school whenever I didn't want to. Although there was a really close call one time because uh, I remember once I skipped school, I went to uh, the job that I had, picked up my check, and I went to the bank to cash my check so I could go shopping while I was supposed to be in school. And I walk into the bank... I walk about halfway through, I look over, and I see my dad up by one of the tellers, and I just, you know, I didn't even stop. I didn't miss a step. <laughs> I just kept walking, walked out the other door, and <laughs> so that was that was sort of a close call. But uh, I don't want to talk about school anymore. Okay. It's getting really boring. Okay, school is boring. It is boring. So we won't talk about school anymore. We could talk about Andy's candies. Go ahead. <laughs> you don't want to tell this is this is more your story. You experienced the Andy's candies phenomenon. <laughs> uh, I'm getting tired though. Yeah. Okay. Okay, well we'll we'll just you know, we'll we'll tell the Andy's candy story and then we'll wrap things up. Okay, when you lived in Milwaukee and we were dating, we're only dating you were only back in Wisconsin a couple months a month maybe really yeah it wasn't very long and I was laying in your bed just laying there we weren't yeah we we weren't doing anything and um she was tired she wanted to lay down I suddenly got this really bad craving for Andy's candies like out of nowhere because I never eat Andy's candies I hadn't eaten Andy's candies in years and I'm never hungry for Andy's candies and I told you about it and I thought that was such the the weirdest thing because um, where I was staying, this is after I got out of the army, I was living in the house that I had lived with my parents for like 10 years or, or whatever, but they weren't living there. My dad was dead and uh, my mom was engaged to be married and she was living um, in Neosho with this guy. <clears throat> yeah, and... Um, and I was using my parents' old bedroom as, you know, my room. So where my bed was set up was basically in the same spot that their bed had been set up. And where your head was sitting here sort of in the middle of the head, you know, I, I looked around and I realized um, my parents had this double bed with, you know, the, the headboard thing with the little... Uh, wouldn't really be a cabinet. They didn't have, they had like sliding doors on them. And then the middle part was open. And my mom always kept a box of Andy's candies there. 
I don't don't know why she liked to stay in bed and eat Andy's I don't candies know why. or something. I am not psychic about anything, but Andy's candies either. But, and it's you know this has been a long time. You know my mom hadn't been there in a long time. This box of Andy's candies had not been there in a long time. Whatever. It's not like the house you know reeked of Andy's candies or anything. But for some reason, when you were laying there, you just. Yeah, I don't know. Got this craving for Andy's candies, so it was. Uh, and people probably think, not that anyone's listening, probably think this is totally retarded, but it was really weird. Yeah, that's the closest that I had come, at least up till that point, uh, of experiencing any kind of uh, supernatural phenomenon. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it was funny for us anyways. Yes. It's a good memory of it our was, early time together. It was special back when you loved me. Because now we've been me. together seven years. And back when you loved me and you thought I was hot. I still love you when you think that you're hot. You thought I was sexy. People really don't want to hear this. I mean, <laughs> I, I know you're sexy, but people really don't want to hear that. And they wouldn't believe it anyways because you're my wife, you know, so they're like, oh. This lady thinks that her husband's sexy, you know, big deal. Now kiss me. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone will hear like these slurping sounds and stuff. That's gross. Uh, That's disgusting. All right. And now we finish the podcast by going to bed and having sex. That's nasty. Yeah. Plus we're married, so that's not going to happen. No, I'm tired. Do you have a headache? <laughs> no. <laughs> all right. Well, tune in next time when nothing will be happening. Say goodbye to you. Bye. This has been The Zero Show. Please send your death threats to admin at mindworldmedia.com. Cheese.